This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, is out this week. Today, though, we're getting ready to venture out on the mighty Mississippi River with the owner and operator of Blue Cat Guide Service, Bob Crosby. With a wealth of knowledge and experience to match, Bob fishes the deep holes, deep channels, ledges, and drop-offs for big blues. What type of lures attract the prize catches, how to stay safe on the water, and what areas make for the best catches? Those are just some of the questions that we'd like to get to this hour. Also, Dr. Major is ready for your pet questions. You can join our conversation this morning with your questions and comments. Call us at one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one 672 7464 You can email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Always like to remind you that if you miss Creature Comforts on Thursday, it repeats every Saturday morning at 6. So good morning. Hope that you're both doing well this morning. Good morning. Good, good morning. Thanks for having me. Good to have you back, Bob, and we'll dive into, uh, no pun intended, uh, catfishing here in just a minute. Uh, Libby's out today. She usually has some nature-related events for us, but we would like to remind you that if you're looking for events of all types in Mississippi, you can go to our events calendar. It's mpbonline.org slash events. So we have some emails that came in last week. We were preempted for some NPR programming, so we'll start off with a couple of these. Uh, The first one is about dog food and says, I, like many, have purchased my dog's food at the big box store. The dogs are outside dogs, three and four at a time. They've all had an itch that I couldn't control for years. They would scratch on anything and everything, despite all attempts to control fleas, mites, and other pests that might have been causing the issue. I ran out of feed one day and was going to the co-op for cattle supplies and decided to get the dog food there. As this feed was about to run out over a 30-day period, I began to notice the dogs were no longer scratching, not even a little bit. I will not go back to the big box stores for feed again, but my question is, what possibly could have been in that feed to cause the condition that my dogs experienced and suffered with for years? Great question, and it's hard to answer that because I don't know which food she got or what she was feeding prior to that. Uh, And I'll say this, and you all have noticed this on TV especially. If you watch TV, all the advertisements are geared toward grain-free uh, and there are some issues with that at this point, especially with particular additives that they might have. So I don't know what she was feeding. Uh, it sounds like she hit on the right food. Uh, if she's listening, she could call us and tell us. I, we don't mind saying what brand, I guess, it was. But it was a good all-purpose food, I would imagine. And uh, to tell you that it was uh, anything special, obviously it helped all four of her dogs. So that's impressive. Uh, but I would imagine if you go to a, a co-op, there might be a, a wider selection of dog foods to choose from, and that might be part of the issue. Was that she, he or she, happened upon a better fit for her for for their dogs? Whatever it was, it worked. And you know these uh, different uh, large, uh, she said big box. I don't know whether it's a store, whether it was online. Uh, a lot of those uh, certainly have a large variety of foods available. And I would imagine that there are several grades of food at that, um, she said, uh, ag store or co-op. Co-op. And uh, they had several uh, grades probably of food, but I doubt if they had as large a a selection of foods as some others. 
But the bottom line here is uh, they found something that worked for their dog, so stick with it. Right, and usually, usually when you uh, change foods and try to work out something like that, in most cases it takes probably four to eight weeks to see results when you switch. And uh, I'm just glad she found the right food for those dogs. All right, here's another one. This email says, with this dry weather, I've not seen a snake. I live on a farm outside Canton and have a lily pond by the house and a larger pond further away that I walk with a puppy all the time. We have a forest close by and a hay field beyond the larger pond, the cornfields all around that. I have a lot of voles all over and hear owls every morning. I do mow up the hay fields, but why am I not seeing any more snakes? Any thoughts on that? Good question. Uh, Bob may have some thoughts on that, but one of the things, of course, with it uh, being as hot and dry as it has been the last few weeks, certainly they're probably searching for a place that's cool, uh, whether it's in the forest or in the water. I'm sure that there's still some snakes there. I was always, gosh, not impressed, but disappointed in a way. Whenever we bailed and cut hay, there were always, you'd see vultures coming down, but there were always snakes that got uh, chopped up when the uh, hay mowing went on. So I'm not sure exactly why she's not seeing Seeing food source is important, uh, and I would say that uh, the snakes are still there. She's just not seeing them. Well, and I was just, I'm not a snake expert by any stretch, but I would say, first of all, as you mentioned, dry, hot weather, we try to stay out of it, and so do other animals. And also, I've always heard that snakes are almost as afraid of us as we are of them, so they do a good job when they need to of not being observed. Well, generally, and, you know, snakes, like everything else, they're looking for a water source now. I can remember well, we had a fountain at the back door one time. And uh, I was walking up the steps, and there was a dang copperhead uh, sitting right there on the second step. So I was glad it wasn't in the dark, uh, <laughs> and I generally removed him from the premises. But uh, certainly, uh, they're there, and she'll be seeing some more. Bob, what's your experience been this year in terms of snakes? Oh, we don't really see that many snakes on the Mississippi River. It's such a big body of water. Um, we do see them if we get in the backwater. You know, they're in the backwater, but again, they don't get out, venture out on the, the big water that often. All right. Okay, one last email here says, I'm getting ready to install a bat box. What should I do to attract the bats? Very good. Uh, we've talked about bats before, and if, I'm sure that this person has either purchased a bat box or has built one. Uh, one of the things that they stress is not to put it uh, real close to the house. And also not to put it in the in the trees because the bats really don't like to navigate uh, around. There are several websites. I don't have them uh, by memory, but there are several websites that talk about how high to put the bat box and how to position it uh, from the standpoint of both the sun, um, excessive heat, for example, and also access by the bats not being real close to a bunch of limbs. All right, and our producer, Java Chapman, found some things online. He's found that uh, maybe a suggestion to grow night-scented flowers that would attract night-flying insects like moths. Bats can eat a wide variety of insects, including mosquitoes, moth, chinch bugs, and beetles. Look at flowers like evening primrose, honeysuckle, goldenrod, and 
Fleabane, which I've never heard of, but that does, yeah. again, neither here nor there. Also, um, bat colonies are most often found near sources of water, so the closer the bat house is to your area's largest water source, the better chance you have of attracting bats to your bat house. All right, if you have a question that you'd like to send via the email, it's animals at mpbonline.org, and our phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Before our first break, we will talk to Holly, who's called in from Meridian this morning. Good morning, Holly. You're on the air with us. Good morning. I have a question for Dr. Major, please. Okay. The uh, main subject is Clomacom for cats. And the situation is for a 10-year-old cat that has been on a quarter of a tablet of this a day for quite a while. She's had urinary problems her whole life. She's had uh, two surgeries to remove bladder stones. Um, For the last several years, the SO food has been working pretty well. But she's, she's made a habit of, of peeing on the floor right by the litter pan. So it's not all over the house. But when she has a protest to make, that's where it gets made. And sometimes it has blood in it and sometimes not. This is kind of a periodic thing. But it also, it's, it's become very hard to decipher whether it's behavior or whether she's got other things going on, because besides the surgery, she's had plenty of blood tests, and nothing yeah. is showing up. But the Clomacom, like I said, that's the heart of my question, because that quarter tablet every night uh, seems to keep her from doing that. Miss the Clomacom, and that's what's going to happen. And the long-term effect of it is really what I wanted to ask you right. about, if you have any thoughts about the situation, because I'm calling you this morning. It's like, yay, it's Thursday, because I can get another right. opinion. Her pupils are just fully dilated this morning. I know that's from the Comacom, and that happens sometimes. So Right. There are different ways that you, you might consider changing up things somewhat, but I understand it's been a complicated situation with her mm-hmm. because of all her medical problems. Uh, I would suggest they have a calming collar. I don't know if you've tried that or not. It has pheromones, uh, calming pheromones, which helps in some cases. Oh, an actual collar. Yes. That goes on her. Right. Because we, we've tried the, um, I can't remember the name of it now, the, the, the plug-in. That right, fell away. Fell away would be. Fell away, yes. Yeah. But that doesn't seem to make a difference. I would, I would try that anybody. collar. Uh, okay. It sounds like you, you mentioned protest. Uh, does she go to the litter box normally, or or does she? Yes, yes. Yeah. She's very good about right. always, uh, yeah. and she lives in a house with four cats. She is one of four cats. Right. Um, and they've and, been they've been long term. Yeah. Um, right. I think yes. that uh, what you're saying is this: is probably the Clomacom. Uh, I would suggest maybe rotating her off of it, uh, give it for two weeks, and then skip a week. See how she does. Well, I've, excuse me. Go I'm ahead. sorry. I've, I have tried that because yeah. I'd love to be able to wean her off of that. Yes. And it doesn't. She, I, she has to stay on it. Just okay. right back, right back with the right. problems. And sometimes I think it's a real bladder irritation problem. Other times, we're just lost. Yes, I understand. Yeah. I'll try to make it as accessible as possible. I don't know if an additional litter box right by that one would help. 
There's two big litter boxes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I always recommend one litter box per cat plus one. So yeah. Uh, yeah. that seems to be. But the, these are the huge oversized ones. Okay. I mean, she's, she's good with that. Right. The heart of my question is what you think about this. I mean, I'll ask our vet about right. the, the collar. But right. your opinion of this long, you know, indefinite Clomacom, I think it's making her kind of nutsy. Okay. I'd suggest that you do check with your vet on that as well. I will have to look up the long-term effects, and I will try to remember to say something about it next week, okay? I don't know any of my cats that have been on that for that long. All right, Holly, thanks for your call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Time for our first break. When we return, we'll bring Bob Crosby of the one and only Mississippi Catfish Fisher. Uh, Where can you catch them? How to catch the big ones? We'll have that and more, so stay tuned. If you have a question or comment, you can join our conversation with a phone call. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. During the break, we'll test your creature knowledge. What is Mississippi's official state fish? And here's a clue. It's not the catfish. We'll have the answer after the break, so stay tuned. Welcome back to Creature Comforts. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major. Today in studio, we have our guest, Bob Crosby. He's the owner and operator of Blue Cat Guide Service, and he's here to talk about catfishing on the Mississippi River. If you want to join the conversation with a question or comment, you can give us a call. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. You can email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. So before the break, we wanted to test your creature knowledge and asked if you could name the official state fish of Mississippi. And we said it's not the catfish. Anyone here in studio want to guess is the official state fish of Mississippi? Well, it'd be a wild guess. How about a uh, largemouth bass? You got it. Bob has got it. Hey. That's why we brought him on the show, because he knows <laughs> his stuff. Bob, good to have you back on the show with us. Thank you so much. Uh, so you are the owner and operator of Blue Cat Guide Service and the catcher of big cats from the Mississippi River, big catfish, that is. How long have you been fishing? Oh, shoot. I've been fishing... Um I like to say I've been fishing since I was in diapers. <laughs> my dad, when we were young, he and my mom would take us fishing, and uh, they'd put a pallet in the bottom of the boat, and um, we'd play around on that pallet, play with the crickets, play with the fish, so until we were old enough to actually hold a fishing pole. Hmm. Uh, so are you, are you a Mississippi native? Yes, sir. All right, and so have always lived around the river? Uh just, well, usually within driving distance. You know, I actually live in Madison, drive back and forth. But uh, I just love fishing on that Mississippi River. It's just a neat experience being out on the river. And, uh, you know, the biggest catfish in North America are just right over there at Vicksburg in the Mississippi River. Mm-hmm. So how uh, how did you get interested in, in catching those big ones? Uh, I'd fish local lakes and streams, and uh, a friend and I were just looking for a new experience. Uh, where to catch big fish. So we went over to the Mississippi River, and uh, so we saw the potential, and it just took us a long time to learn how to fish the river. It's different than fishing ponds and streams and local lakes, but uh, uh been going back for years now. 
and I think when you were on the show before, we talked about your fishing bucket list, and it includes fishing for salmon and halibut in Alaska and tuna fishing in southern Louisiana. Have you managed to check off either of those yet? Well, I checked off the tuna. All right. <laughs> I'm still looking for the salmon and halibut. All right. So if anyone can help Bob out with a trip to Alaska, I'm sure he would greatly appreciate it. Please call. So maybe what are some other uh, exotic places or things that you've done in terms of fishing? Oh, uh, love to go to South Louisiana also, the Mississippi Gulf Coast, marsh fishing. It's just a blast, those redfish, speckled trout. Um, you go out to the oil rigs and catch the the tuna and the uh, halibut. Excuse me, not halibut, but uh, amberjack. It's just the special fishing down there on the, on the Gulf Coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever been marlin fishing? Never been, no. And if I'm, marlins are, are fairly big fish, if I know, if I'm correct. Oh, sure. Shoot, they're hundreds of pounds. So what uh, what to, is the most difficult fish that you've battled with in your fishing adventures? Uh, I would say those catfish over there. You know, the uh, Mississippi River is just a huge body of water, and it's just a challenge to find those big fish. You know, you got to have the correct electronics and correct tackle, but... Uh, you know, once you locate them, uh, they're just like us. They're hungry. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of a two-part thing. you got to find them first, and then you got to get them in the boat. Exactly. Uh, we've got a caller on the line that has a question for you. So we say good morning to Dale in Vicksburg. Dale, you're on the air with us, so go ahead. Yes, I was wondering if any of Bob's fishing parties have ever received a citation for not having a uh, fishing license. Uh, no. No. Um, we, that's one thing I'll make sure. First, we stress safety. Uh, get a lot of people from out of state uh, and locals, but uh, yeah, we make sure that pe- people have their fishing license. All right, Dale, thanks for your call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We're going to be talking today with Bob Crosby, owner and operator of Blue Cat Guide Service, talking about uh, fishing for big catfish on the Mississippi River. Dr. Major's here, ready to answer your pet questions as well. So give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. So, Bob, if you would, tell us a little bit about your company, some of the things that you offer. First of all, what is the Blue Cat Guide Service? Well, Blue Cat Guide Service, we fish exclusively on the Mississippi River, usually at Vicksburg, sometimes Port Gibson. But um, we furnish all the bait, tackle, life jackets, gear. Uh, you just bring whatever, whatever you want to eat and drink for the day and uh, your fishing license. Um, First of all, we stress safety. Number one rule in our boat is always wear your life jacket. Uh, the second rule is have fun. So, it's, again, it's a neat experience being on the river, but people come to catch fish. Mm-hmm. So we're serious. We give it all we have uh, to locate the fish. And uh, we uh, stress um, catch and release. If people want to keep some of the eating-sized fish, that's fine. Bring an ice chest, but... Uh, I think it's a shame to kill an old fish. You know, those 30, 40, 50 pounders, no tell how old they are. So uh, we really encourage people to return them to the water. I mean, that's raised really just a sport. It is the whole thrill of catching the fish and then throwing back in there for someone else to have that same adventure. Sure. And, you know, we take pictures and people have lifetime memories. And uh, even if somebody wants to mount one now, uh, they don't actually use the fish to. Uh, uh, the taxidermist doesn't. They take measurements. They uh, 
make a cast of the fish, and then they, um, you know, you, it's not they don't have to kill the fish to get one to put on the wall. So, where did you go? When did you go from "Hey, I enjoy fishing on the Mississippi River" to "I want to have a company that lets others enjoy it as well"? Well, about eight eight or nine years ago, my primary fishing buddy developed some health issues and couldn't go to the river. So I was going by myself, and I had a few people to call me. Uh, I've got some friends up the river that are guides, and you know, I talk with them occasionally, and uh, they encouraged me to give it a try. So. Seven years ago, I decided, hey, I'll try it. If I don't like it, I'll quit. So I'm still doing it seven years later. I love it, made some good friends. You know, you spend all day out there on a boat with somebody, you get to know them. So I've got (laughs) (laughs) a lot of repeat customers, people that come back. Uh, So I I look forward to visiting with my old friends again. Uh, What's what's a trophy fish? Uh, A trophy fish is different for different people. You know, I get some people that have never caught a catfish. Uh, just to catch one is a thrill to them. Then I have other people that are, most people I take are fishermen, actually fishermen. They've caught catfish. But, um, you know, some people a 20-pounder is a huge fish. Other people a 10-pounder. But I would say anything over 25 or 30 pounds is, I consider that a trophy fish. All right. We're talking today with Bob Crosby, owner and operator of Blue Cat Guide Service. Dr. Major's here as well. So if you have a pet question or if you have a question for Bob about fishing for catfish on the Mississippi River or if you have an observation, maybe you've had a recent brush with wildlife that you'd like to share with us, give us a call because we've got some open phone lines. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can always send an email as well to animals at mpbonline.org. Bob, do we know why the Mississippi River has these big catfish? Uh, it's just a huge body of water, um, and it doesn't get that much fishing pressure. Uh, and the boat ramps, you know, there's one at Vicksburg, uh, one in Port Gibson. I think the next one is up the river at Myersville. So, that, I mean, it could be 50, mile, 50 river miles apart. The boat ramps. Uh, again, it doesn't get that much fishing pressure, so it just takes, so again, these old fish, big fish are old fish, so they just have time to get old, time to grow. So the main reason, uh, and and there's a big food source out there, mm-hmm. so they got plenty to eat, uh, they've got time to get old and grow up. Um, so are older catfish wiser catfish? Do they make more of a challenge? Uh, <laughs> I would the older catfish, the big fish, I don't think feed as often as the young fish. You know, they've got a mouth the size of a, a five-gallon bucket. <laughs> so they could eat a, a four- or five-pound smaller fish, and they may not feed for a while. So, you know, we, we locate them with our fish finder, the depth finder. And uh, sometimes they'll feed, and sometimes they won't. So we we locate them, we give them a try. If they don't bite within 30 minutes, we're going somewhere else, trying to find a hungry fish. And that's, you know, we were chatting a little bit before we came on the air, and that was one thing, you know, the Dr. Major mentioned, and that's kind of one of the the challenges of fishing is you can go out there and fish all day, and if they're not biting, they're not biting. You really can't no, make a fish bite. No, and, and uh, the different thing, the barometer, uh, the wind conditions, uh, the time of the year, uh, fish just don't feed all the time. We've got some calls to get to, so we'll go back to the phone lines and say good morning to Jim, who's in Natchez. Good morning, Jim. You're on the air with us. Uh, good morning. How are y'all? Good. Um, 
I'm, I live in Natchez and play, grow up in the river, all this stuff like that. What what type of uh, parts of water would you actually look for to fish? Meaning, um, say if you're on the bank versus being in a boat. Uh, and what what is your favorite bait to use? Uh, my favorite bait is uh, skipjack. And uh, a lot of people aren't familiar with skipjack, but it's a bait fish, kind of like shad. Correct. <clears throat> and we catch them in the river, uh, but shoot, you know, catfish or uh, night crawlers, uh, chicken. So they lemons. are alive. I'm sorry. You do use your skipjack or are alive? Uh, no, we cut them up. Okay. We we'll cut a piece of skipjack, say the size of a tennis ball or a softball. But uh, again, the places I would recommend looking for uh, these big fish like deep water, so. I would try to get in uh, a place where you have deep water. And, um, again, going back to the question before, if you go to a place and start fishing and you don't get a bite within 20 or 30 minutes, just go down the bank. Keep fishing a different area. There may not be any fish there, or there may be fish that aren't feeding. So you need to find the fish, not let the fish come to you. So I would just experiment, fish different areas till you find something. Okay. All right. Thank you. Sure. Thanks for your call, Jim. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Time to take our first break. Uh, When we get back, we'll continue our conversation with our guest today, Bob Crosby. If you have a question about catfish or maybe a pet question for Dr. Major, you can give us a call. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. You can send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. We'll get to Noah's call after this break. You're listening to Creature Comforts, so stay tuned. We're back on Creature Comforts. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major. And our guest today in studio is Bob Crosby from Blue Cat Guide Service. And we've been talking about catfish fishing on the Mississippi River. Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, is out this week. But she'll be back on the show again next week. Got a caller on the line. So let's say good morning to Noah, who's called in from Alabama. Good morning, Noah. You're on the air with us. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, So, Bob... I explained earlier uh, to uh, a caller, Dale, that none of his um, customers had ever received a citation for not having a fishing license. I was just wondering, if if one did get a citation, would their rod and reels be taken? Um, I can't answer that, Noah. Um, I'm not a conservation officer. Um, I would recommend calling the Department of Wildlife, Fishers, and Parks and Ask them. I, I wish I could help you, but I'm. I, I can't answer that. I don't know. All right, Noah. Thanks for your call. Uh, this is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. I always like to remind people when we talk about fishing licenses that if you enjoy fishing uh, in the outdoors, and I think I'm correct on this, that some or all of proceeds of fishing and hunting licenses go back into conservation efforts and efforts to preserve Mississippi's natural resources. So it it, it certainly is it goes to a good cause. That's for sure. Uh, Bob, tell us a little about your boat. Uh, Kevin, I've got a uh, 19-foot center console boat. It's got real high sides. Um, and again, going back to the uh, question before, safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been fishing out of this boat over there for 12 or 14 years. Uh, I've got a 150-horsepower motor. 
So, you know, you see those big barges coming down the river. They make some big rolls, and the water gets rough, but um, it's an adequate boat. I've never had any trouble, but um, it's a comfortable big boat. All right, and we did talk about safety, and you said your number one rule is everybody wears a life jacket. Uh, what are some other things that people, when they go out on the river uh, with you or with another group, maybe should keep in mind about staying safe when fishing on the river? Well, always be observant. You know, there could be logs floating down. When the river's rising, uh, it will pull these logs off the bank. So, you know, always be watching for logs if you're anchored out there. Um, I'm always looking up the river making sure something's not coming down to catch my boat. Um, also, um, there's a lot of rock dikes out there, a lot of obstacles. And uh, if the water's over the dike, you know, you, it could be a foot under the water. You don't know where it is. Run over it, and your lower unit or boat will hit the dike. So before you go out, if you're not familiar with the river, uh, I would highly recommend getting a map showing where the dikes are and avoid those obstacles. And that's one advantage, I guess, of, of having you as, as the guide is that you, you've been out there, you know, so if people want to just go to enjoy the fishing, uh, they don't have to worry about all that other stuff. Right. We've been over there enough. We know where they are. We know uh, there's, there's supposed to be a buoy, a marker buoy at the end of each dike, but um, there's not. <laughs> Especially after a big flood. I think the chains or cables pop. They're gone, so... Uh, yes, I would recommend going with somebody that's been out there before or take, getting an adequate boat. I've seen people out there in small boats, uh, no life jackets. It's just scary. Yeah. Yeah, and as you mentioned earlier, the, those big barges and things, that, that would, to me would be kind of concerning when, they, when that big weight comes through there. So Yeah, if, if, sometimes if it's a really big weight, we'll just go over to the bank and let them go by, you know, the there may be two, one barge going upriver, one going down, and uh, they do create a big, big roll, we call them. All right. Got another caller on the line. Let's say good morning to Matt in Memphis. You're on the air with us, Matt. Go ahead. Good morning. Uh, uh, great show today, as always. Listen, I am the father of a couple of girls, 13 and 7. They've recently gotten into fishing. Uh, and so... I have, uh, uh, I, I don't know a lick about fishing. Uh, my daughter's got into it from some cousins, and, and uh, I want to support them. And uh, I really like that they're doing it, but I don't know the first thing about it. So since you got a great fisherman on the show today, I thought I'd call and ask for his advice to a couple of couple of kids just getting started on fishing. Uh, well, I'd recommend, Matt, going with somebody like myself. Uh, I've got a friend in Memphis that's a guide, uh, David Magnus. Uh, you can look up his website. I think it's um, uh, just David Magnus Fishing. But um, he, he knows what he's doing up there. He knows the water. If you'd like to go down this way, I'd love to take you. But that, there are people up in your area that ought guide also. So would that be on the Mississippi River? Yes, sir, on the Mississippi River. Awesome. And well, we'll look good to it, man. I appreciate you uh, doing what you do and following your bliss. Sure. Well, good luck. All right, Matt, thanks Thanks for your call. Uh, let's stay on the phone lines. Next, we've got uh, Avery in Madison. Good morning. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Thanks. Um, I have a question about uh, the accumulation of pesticides and mercury, particularly in the bigger, older fish. Uh, do you have a recommendation as a cutoff uh, for the poundage? of a, a catfish caught out of the Mississippi River or any comments you might have on it. 
Yeah, well, I recommend not just because of the pesticides or um, problems with that, but um, I we try to return anything over about 15 pounds. Uh, I had somebody the other day that just really uh, wanted to keep a fish. It was 27 pounds, so I helped them clean it. Uh, I took a few pieces home to try. It had an excellent taste, but it was just tough. So uh, I would say 15 pounds and down are a good eating size fish. Okay, thanks. All right, Avery, thanks for your call. We've got some open phone lines. If you have a question this morning for Dr. Major about your pet or about uh, catfish fishing on the Mississippi River for our guest, Bob Crosby, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Here is a pet question that says, we recently took in two cats, both boys, and neither are neutered. We got the younger one, he's about three months now, first, and then the second cat about a month ago. He's six or seven months and about twice the size. It took time for them to get used to each other, but now they're good together. But sometimes they fight and bite and hiss, and their ears are back against their head. Is this normal? How can I tell the difference between playful fighting and fighting where they'd really hurt each other? It's a difficult thing with cats. You never know exactly sometimes when they're play fighting, and they can <clears throat> can sound pretty fierce, and then you'll find them laying on top of each other taking a nap. <laughs> so that's, that is a hard thing to tell. Uh, I would suggest it doesn't sound like they've been neutered. It's time to neuter, uh, the older one especially, and I suspect this other cat's probably close to being a uh, good age to do that. That should help some with their disposition. Uh, I do think cats need a companion cat. Uh, a lot of cats uh, will get uh, into some sort of, uh, what should I say, uh, irrational behavior. Uh, I won't say they go crazy. But uh, I think it's good that they can play together and mock fight. Now, whether they draw blood, whether it's really that bad, I don't know. But I would say that probably it's pretty normal. But they do need to be neutered. I, I know my brother has two cats that are litter mates, and both, as we were talking during the break, I think close to maybe 20 years old. But uh, it's funny because you say you're right. They'll be sitting there very, you know, laying on each other, and all of a sudden, one of them usually will start to lick the other one, and then the, he, he he finally gets enough of that, and right. there they are on the floor tussling, and and it can look uh, pretty pretty severe because cats 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 know how to fight, that's for sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean that would again be something that you would just kind of monitor, and maybe if if it does look like it's getting to be too bad, you maybe could try to pull them apart or whatever. And, you know, in my experience, and just talking to uh, people that have cats and everything. This probably will work okay with the two of the same sex, but a lot of times a male and a female seem to get along uh, better uh, than a female and a female or a male and a male. That's just an observation, and I'm sure people have varying degrees of all that. Most people don't wind up with two cats. They usually wind up with three or four. But uh, they kind of take a pride-type, what shall I say, pecking order at that point. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, and our guest today is Bob Crosby, uh, the owner and operator of Blue Cat Guide Service. We're talking today about catfish fishing on the Mississippi River and also taking your pet questions. Got some open phone lines if you'd like to call in with a question. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 
7464, send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. So, Bob, where are the better kind of places uh, on the river to try to find these catfish? I know you mentioned earlier you want somewhere that's a deep area. What what are some of the other things you look for for good fishing spots? Well, there's really two methods we use on the river, Kevin. We anchor fish, and, you know, we'll find a deep... Again, these big fish, I think, like deep water. So we'll find a deep water, we'll locate fish with a fish finder, and we'll anchor on that spot. But uh, we also do what we call bottom bouncing. We'll slowly drift down the river, uh, letting our weights and bait just tap the bottom. So we might drift for miles. Uh, the fish are kind of scattered at some times of the year. So uh, when we locate them, we'll put a waypoint, a GPS coordinate on the depth finder, and go back and repeat that same uh, run. And uh, it's just a way to catch scattered fish. Uh, and again, usually in deep water also. Bob, what's the depth of some of these holes? Uh, we fish, I caught a fish the other day at 109 feet of water. Hmm. So that's, that, that's deep. <laughs> yeah, that's deep. And with that swift current, we were having to use um, 18 ounces of weight to stay on the bottom. Um, so do you have a typical customer, or what are t- the, some of the types of, of people that come and, and fish on the river? Oh, shoot, we get all types, Kevin. I uh, get a lot of tourists come to Vicksburg, want to, you know, experience the Mississippi River. Uh, I tell you, this blues trail we have is amazing. Uh, we get a lot of people from Europe, mm-hmm. and blues is huge in Europe, and they don't understand why we don't appreciate it more. <laughs> That's but, true. Uh, I've had people from Belgium, Switzerland, uh, France. Uh, they'll come, again, do the blues trail, and they do a search and find me on the Mississippi River. And that's certainly an, another unique experience to add to their uh, their trip over here if, if they are visiting from a foreign country. Hey, uh, let's go ahead and take our final break this hour. When we get back, we'll wrap up our conversation. We're talking throughout the hour today with Bob Crosby about fishing for catfish on the Mississippi River. Still time for you to join in with a conversation with a question or a pet question for Dr. Major. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 877 672-7464. You can email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Back with more, so stay tuned. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, and our guest today is Bob Crosby from Blue Cat Guide Service. We've been talking about uh, fishing for big catfish on the Mississippi River. Dr. Major here with some ready-to-take pet questions. So still time for you to work in a call if you want to. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 You can email the show, send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Bob, it's been a kind of a crazy summer. We had all of that rain and flooding concerns in the Delta, and then we've had this extended drought. So are there ever times when the level of the river is either too high or too low to be safe? Um, yes, it is, Kevin. When the, the higher the water, the swifter the current. And um, I think the ramp at Vicksburg, you know, there's a seawall with openings in the seawall. We launch on the, the river side of the seawall. 
uh, when this flood started, they, they closed it down, I think, at 34 feet. So at 34 feet on the Vicksburg gauge, you know, the water's all back in the woods, the current's swift, uh, there's probably some float logs coming down. So uh, I would say in the low 30s, um, it's about the highest we like to fish. They're still out there, but uh, uh, it just gets a little iffy out there then. Mm-hmm. And what about, uh, are there better times of the year to, to find catfish, to find these big ones? Uh, the big fish, we do better in the fall and winter. Um, you know, most of the fishing, bass, brim, crappie, uh, they're better in the spring. But catfish are just the opposite. Uh, I think in the winter, uh, when the water gets cool, below 50 degrees, they kind of concentrate in those deep holes, easier to find. And I think they're going on a feeding spree, getting ready for their spring spawn. So we catch fish year-round, but it just seems we seem to catch more fish in the winter. If you look on my website, a lot of those big fish, we've got a lot of clothes on. Now, um, you've mentioned, I think, uh, a depth finder and a fish finder. So I'm just curious, in your time, you've been fishing your whole life, but tell us a little bit about how technology has advanced and has has aided fishing. Oh, it's amazing. Uh, I couldn't go fishing now without my depth finder. Uh, First of all, you can see obstacles, you know, if anything underwater to avoid it. Uh, Second, we actually locate the fish with the fish finder. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. that doesn't mean they're gonna we're gonna bite or catch them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the trolling motors now, the electric trolling motors, they got these iPilot trolling motors. Uh, used to, I had to anchor, put out a hundred foot of anchor rope or two hundred foot of anchor rope, believe it or not. But now with these iPilot trolling motors, um, they'll hold you in one spot. Their GPS coordinates, you can set a, a spot lock, they call it, and it'll just the trolling motor will hold you there. So I don't have to pull up anchor rope. I don't. Have, some places I'm able to fish now that I couldn't fish before because of these advanced trolling motors. Um, we talked about best time of year. What about time of day? Is there a, a, a time that's better than others? Oh, I don't think it, when you're fishing at 40, 60, 80 feet, I don't know if they know what time of the day it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, we like to get out there early when it's cool in the summer. Um, and I think in the morning, they do come out of those deep holes and go in the flats and feed. So we'll, uh, we'll get out there early, fish some flats, and uh, up in the day, uh, if we haven't located them with that drift fishing, bottom mounts I'm talking about, we'll start hitting the holes and seeing if we can find some fish in the holes. Um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, the gear. We've talked about the, your, the, the depth finder that helps out. Um, and then you talked about skipjack, I think, as being a good bait. What are some other uh, baits that uh, catfish seem to like? Oh, I've taken uh, chicken livers. Um, they're good. Uh, night crawlers. Um, if you can catch some uh, shad, uh, a lot of the local fishermen are familiar with shad. You can take a throw net. Ross Barnett Reservoir, the Spillway, and Shad are excellent bait. And uh, usually they're pretty plentiful and available. Uh, what about lures? Lures, uh, you know, we're, catfish aren't really like the game, the other game fish. Uh, we don't use artificial lures. We're using live bait or um, cut bait. Uh, one thing, most people on the Miss, that I see on the Mississippi River that aren't experienced don't have heavy enough tackle. You know, they take their bass rods with a 15-pound line. 
uh, they come back and talk about the big ones that broke their line. <laughs> <laughs> so we use heavy line, we use 65-pound braided line and uh, heavy hook leaders, 50-pound hook leaders, and about a 30-pound weight leader. That way, if our weight gets hung on a rock or obstacle down there, you can break it off and not lose the rest of your rig. Um, <clears throat> so we've talked uh, all, all hour about uh, your service. If someone has heard this and is interested in maybe trying to book a trip with you, what's the best way to get in contact? Uh, my phone number is 601-953-5767. Uh, my website is bluecatguideservice.com. So I've got pictures on there, videos, uh, uh, frequently asked questions. Um, people love those videos, so I encourage you to go to my website. And uh, what size group can you accommodate? I can take up to three people beside myself, Okay, the size of my boat. So three people beside myself. All right. Uh, we talked about safety and, and that uh, your number one rule is everyone wears their uh, their um, uh, life jacket. What are some other things that people should be aware about when fishing on the river? Because as we mentioned, if someone is used to fishing, say, in a lake or something, this really is quite a, a, a different experience. Yes. Again, uh, watch for those barges. Um, you can see them coming, of course. So if your boat's not uh, large enough to take those barge rolls and don't take a chance, you know, Go to the bank and just let the the water calm down. And also, never cross in front of a barge. I mean, <laughs> as silly as that sounds, uh, you, you get out in the middle of the river and something happened to your motor, your motor go out, and the barge can't stop. Right. He's coming on. He'll honk his horn, and but it's up to you to get out of the way. You might want to think about those barges as the 18-wheelers of the, uh, the river highway, I guess. They have the right-of-way. <laughs> Uh, what about uh, some differences that you've seen when you've got a group of newcomers versus someone who, who might be a little bit more experienced with fishing? Oh, it seems like the newcomers. Um, I love fishing with the newcomers, we say. Uh, they're excitable. Uh, they haven't had the ex- fishing experience of um, experienced fishermen. Uh, and I love taking children. Mm-hmm. It, I, I say children, teenagers, youngsters, um, and the women – Women seem to be better fishermen than the men. Uh-oh. No. <laughs> they, they will listen to you. They'll do what they say. You say. The men, uh, you know, usually these experienced fishermen, they, they know everything. So they won't listen to you. That's good. <laughs> uh, what's the largest catfish you've caught on the river? My personal best is 75 pounds, Kevin. But I've had a 90 and several in the 80s caught. And you say primarily out of Vicksburg, but occasionally Port Gibson. Do you, do you find one spot to be better than the uh, other? Not really. Uh, it's all the same river. Uh, Vicksburg is closer for me, but uh, a lot of times I enjoy a break going to Port Gibson. All right. Uh, Dr. Major, What uh, are, are you much of a fisherman? I have been in the past. I haven't done much lately. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it sounds like a great experience, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get go. Dr. Major to go with me. We're going to go. We're going to go. Get my grandson, and we'll, we'll have a great time. And, again, kind of recap some of the things we talked about earlier. Uh, if someone does want to go out on the river with you, you said just bring themselves and maybe some snacks, but you provide all of the equipment and all that sort Correct. of thing. Correct. Uh, I would rather, if somebody's got some tackle or gear they want to bring, that's fine. But, um, you know, I, I like to use my tackle. I know it's adequate. Um, my life jackets, uh, they're, they're the inflatable-type life jackets, those vest-type life jackets, uh, they get awfully hot in the summer. 
So the inflatable or cooler, um, I think there's also safer. All right. And before we go, if you would repeat again uh, ways to get people could get in touch with you. Uh, go to my website, bluecatguideservice.com. Phone number 601-953-5767. All right. That's going to wrap us up for today. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, funded provided in part by listeners like you. To hear today's show or a previous show, one way to find it is to go to mpbonline.org slash creaturecomforts. Our show is produced by Java Chapman. So for Dr. Troy Major and our guest Bob Crosby, I'm Kevin Farrell. Stay tuned up next at 10. It's AutoCorrect with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio.